0: With worship, um, just we're gonna kind of say a little bit about what's been on my heart this week. Just a fair warning, I have no idea what I'm gonna say. <laughs> One of those things where God said talk, and I'm like, okay, what do I say? And there was nothing, so I just said, okay. So that's your fair warning. I don't know what's gonna come out of me, but I can tell you it's gonna be Jesus because I don't know what I'm supposed to say. Um. So if you're anything like me, something that I really, really struggle with is everything that's going on in my head and blocking that out when it comes to worship. Um, If you're anything like me, I probably have a minimum of 10 things going through my head at any given moment. You know, things I got to do, things, places I need to be, everything that's going on with my kids, my family, my job, I mean, so many things running through my head and then
1: we get here to worship
0: and, you know, how do we block all of that out so that we can just you know, give ourselves over to, to Jesus and worship him without all those distractions. Um, so I'm sure you, like like I have, you've been watching what's been going on at Asbury University, and I've read all the things and watched all the videos because it's intriguing, you know, what God is doing there, and it's impressive, and it's, um, you know, it's something that, that we want, and so I've been watching them all and and reading all about it, and I was watching videos this week, and it was showing the line outside the um the hughes auditorium where this is going on and the line was just never ending you know wrapped around the entire building of these people that are waiting to get in to this building and and i was thinking they're standing there for a ridiculous amount of hours to get into this room i was like what's the difference in being inside that building than it is being outside that building i mean what what is it about What is going on inside that room that's different? Why is, you know, God's presence so strong there and not, you know, right outside all these people are standing and it's like they're just waiting to get into this one room. And so I just started thinking about that and it's what was on my mind all week. And um, as I started thinking about it and praying about it and just, you know, kind of dwelling on that thought, I was like, you know, there really is no difference, I mean, the presence of God inside that auditorium is the exact same as it is outside the auditorium. I mean, the presence of God inside that room at Asbury University is the exact same as the presence of God right here in this room. I mean, there is no difference. And I was like, so what what is what is happening there? I mean, obviously something's happening. So what is different? And I I got to realizing that it's not that there's more of God. You know, God doesn't give us just a little bit of him and then later he'll give us a little bit more of him. God gives us completely over himself. I mean, we have 100% of God all the time. His presence is here. And the only difference is in that room, there are over a 1,000 people acknowledging his presence in a very raw and powerful way I mean it's not God and don't don't take that the wrong way because it is all God but it is the people giving themselves over to his presence I thought about Moses when he went up on the mountain and he saw God's face and he covered his eyes because God's presence is, presence is not something that's just casual when we really open our eyes and see God it's, it's that overpowering that it just makes you want to fall on the floor and cover your eyes because it is that strong. And so I was like, what, how, how do we get there? How do we get to that point where we can just unashamedly and boldly and raw just let his presence consume us? Because it's here, and the only barrier is ourselves. And I was like, how do we do that? And I, I was watching... Um, I was watching Facebook Reels, you know, you get stuck on that and you just start watching all the videos, and there was a video that came up of Priscilla Shire, Um, and I shared it on Facebook, so some of y'all may have seen this, but Priscilla Shire talking, and she was recapping a scene from The Lion King, and Simba, it was Simba, and he was a young cub, and he was talking to the hyenas, and, um, he was trying to tell them you know this is our land you aren't welcome here but Simba was a small cub and he goes and he tries to let out this big roar to scare him off and it comes out as a you know puny little cub roar you know not intimidating at all and the hyenas just laugh at him you know mocked him like we're not scared of you you're weak you're small and so he lets out again and he tries to let out this big roar to you know to to let him know that you know This is my land. You aren't welcome here. And he tries to do it again. And it comes out again as just this puny little weak roar. And so they continue to mock him and laugh at him. And Sibba's getting irritated. And so he tries it again. And he, he just, you know, musters up all this strength that he can. And he comes out. And he breathes in. And he tries to let out this big roar again. And this time it comes out as this super loud, you know, intimidating roar that just shakes the land. And the hyenas, you know, are just... Fearful, and their eyes are big and wide, and they run away. And Simba turns, turns around, and his father Mufasa is behind him. And I, I was watching this video, and I started crying. He was like, that's it. I mean, we can't block out all those distractions and be overcome with his presence on our own. But when God comes behind us and lets out that powerful roar, and he comes in like a lion, that's when, you know, all those other things good things you know our jobs our families our school that's when those just seem so unimportant because then we are just in the presence of the king you know Mufasa was king of the land and so when he made his presence known everything else just fleed. You know, nothing else was important and I was like that's it right there that's what it is and so that is my prayer for us that That we could just realize that when we come in here, even when we leave here, that all these things, all these distractions, if we want to get rid of them and completely surrender to His presence, all we have to do is acknowledge His presence and not just know it here. I mean, we know that God is omnipresent. We know that He is everywhere, is always with us, but to actually feel that and give ourselves over to that and know that He is here, that what's going on at Asbury University is great, but it's not any different. His presence there is not any different than His presence here right now with us. And all it's going to take is us just realizing that and acknowledging how holy He is and how powerful He is and how awesome He is and just proclaim that. I mean, the the only barrier is ourselves. So that is my prayer this morning. I pray that, that we could just completely give ourselves over to his presence so let's pray God I just come to you this morning God and I just want to acknowledge that you are holy I want to acknowledge that you are here with us and it's not in a way that we can just ignore God I want to acknowledge that you are here and that you are consuming this place you're consuming our hearts consuming our minds you are just taking over every part of us so that we can just just let everything else just fall to the side and focus on you lord I, I just pray that we could look upon your face god and just see how powerful that is and god and just hide our eyes and that we have no choice that we're in your presence and we just have to fall on our knees and that you demand our worship god God, I pray that that we could just boldly and unashamedly and just in a real raw and powerful way proclaim how good you are. God, I pray for the lost in the room. God, I pray that they would be saved. I pray that they would know what it's like to have a relationship with you. I pray that they would know that 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 is something that you want and that you love them and that you want them, that is not something they need to put off any longer. God, I pray for those in the room who have strayed from you. God, they're just they're going in the wrong direction and they know it and, and they're just not sure what to do about it. I pray that that they would just turn around and just see you and just take off running because, God, you are there with your arms wide open. And all they have to do is run back to you. God, I pray for those who, who just are stagnant in their relationships. In their relationship with you. God, they're, they're not going in the wrong direction. But they are just, just in this place where they're not really growing. And they're not being used. God, I pray that, that they would just acknowledge your presence. And acknowledge that, that you are Lord of their lives. And they would just just say, God, I'm yours. And I want you to use me. And I want to stop just staying in one place. And I want to grow. And I want to get closer to you. God, I pray for for the disciples in the room, God. Those that, that are so strong in their relationship with you. I thank you for them. I thank you for the example that they are to us, God. God, I just I thank you that we have them, and I just pray that that you would use them and that you would use them to help us, and that we could see them and say that's where I want to be. And I pray that pray for them that they would just continue to grow in their relationship with you and continue to to know their purpose, continue to be used by you. God, I'm just I'm craving your presence so bad. God I, I, I feel you here and I pray that everybody else can just can just feel that presence God I pray that it would just overtake us and completely consume us and fill us and then and then that we can just pour that back out to you and worship God I, I pray that we that we don't just sit in our seats and ignore it. God, I pray that, that you just come in and overtake us in a supernatural way so that, so that we can't stay in our seats and we can't stay in our pews and God, the aisles would just be full and altars would be full. God, I pray, I pray that you would help us to just put away all those uh, misconceptions that, that we have to worship a certain way, God. I pray that hands would be raised. I pray that that we would see things that that just make us uncomfortable God because you didn't call us to just live in a box God you called us to to go and to do and to be used by you and sometimes that looks very strange sometimes we see other people worshiping and we just think that's just strange God but that's only because that we don't do it that way and God, I know that if you just consume us and and we are just overtaken by your presence, that sometimes we may do things that others might not understand, and that's okay. So God, I just, I just pray that we would feel you and that we would recognize you and that we would proclaim your holiness. God, as we sing, and I'm... I'm not even gonna say amen, God, because I don't want to close this prayer because our worship is our prayer, God. So I'm I'm not even gonna end this prayer with Amen. We're just gonna start singing and we're just gonna worship you. This this
2: morning as we worship
0: the Lord.
3: There's nothing worth more that could ever come. Nothing can compare Your living hope Your presence, Lord yeah. I've tasted and seen Of the sweetest of life and my shame is undone. Your presence, Lord.
0: Sing this out with us.
3: Oh, build the
4: degree. Son of God hanging on a hill. Hell was my destiny. The crowd was shouting, crucify. Could have come from these lips of mine. The dirty shame was killing me. It would take a miracle to wash me clean. And then I read. Hit my veins, my dead heart began to beat the breath of God filled my lungs, and the Holy Ghost awaken me. Yeah, the Holy Ghost awaken me when I No.
3: face to no longer no.
5: Child of God.
2: Amen. You may be seated. Aaron's going to come on up. preaching in Mexico today, so. Lord, we just want to thank you for how awesome you are. God, you're so good to us. God, sometimes we just take you so much for granted. But God, we just want to say we love you today. We thank you today. We praise you today. God, we thank you so much for Aaron, Lord, for uh, just watching over him, taking care of him. Lord, we know he's had a hard week, God, but we've Uh, He is still standing here today before you, Lord, to preach your word. And we pray for him. We pray for the words that come out of his mouth, God, that they would be powerful and strong, Lord, and that we know that you have given them to him. And, Lord, we just pray for Brother Darrell as he preaches uh, this morning in Mexico, Lord, as he speaks to a people in a a language different from his, Lord, but the the word is the same. And, God, we just pray for him and we pray... God, that you would give him strength and power, Lord. And Lord, we just thank you again for who you are. We pray again for Aaron, Lord, as he stands before you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Matt's gonna show a short video for you guys. We
6: live a life that is constantly on play. What does that mean? Well, let's think about it for a moment. When you wake up, you have dozens of things on your to-do list. From brushing your teeth, to making sure you pack your soccer cleats. Your schedule is full of activities and responsibilities. When you aren't doing homework, you may be rehearsing for the school play, or training for a track track. And the busyness doesn't end with school. Your family and friends have certain expectations of you. You have chores, and some of you have jobs. With all of these things competing for your attention, you might be tempted to sacrifice meaningful time with God. And when you miss out on this quiet time with God, you are missing out on the most important relationship of your lifetime. By going through the pause with your students, get ready to show them what it means to press pause and develop a life-giving relationship with God.
1: Good morning. I um, I wanted Matt to play that again for you guys, mostly because we played it last week, and I didn't uh, get up here and tell everyone what it was for. If you haven't heard, we have an event coming up next weekend, and it's called Merch. We're expecting 150 plus students from six or seven churches. It's going to be an awesome event. Um, we have almost 30 kids, probably signed up just from our church alone, 30 youth. So. I'm excited to do that um, I, I was really excited to be here Daryl asked me several probably months ago if I could fill in for him while he's gone to Mexico and uh, absolutely I was like of course I mean you're you're doing that how could I say no to this and um, then some things conspired this last week that made me think I made the wrong decision for a little while but God's taking care of me and I'm glad to be here this morning um, I I'd be remiss if I didn't at least acknowledge what's already went on in here today. We could be done. I could not say anything this morning. I feel like we would have had church. I really could. And um, some of the things that Lindsay said is stuff that's been on my heart all week already. You know, what's been going on. And um, and like her, I had no idea what I'm going to say today. So you guys are in for a treat. No, God has God um, already put this on my heart. I've been struggling and dealing with different things and so the title of the message enough is enough sometimes I feel like I've been through the ringer I feel like I've had enough and I know you guys have felt the same way sometimes it's difficult life is hard but through those hard times is where we learn what God has for us and we learn what God's plans are for us so we're going to be in John chapter 6 today and Matt asked me the verses over and over. What verses are you going to preach? Well, there's 70 something verses in John. What are you going to use? And I said, John, I don't, or Matt, I don't know. Just pull up John and we'll go through it because I'm not going to go through all 70 verses. I'm not going to keep you guys here all afternoon, I promise. But we'll be here as long as the Lord needs us to be here to get this message across. So John chapter 6, it's a familiar story. Jesus feeds the 5,000. Thanks, sir. <laughs> Jesus feeds the 5,000. And I think I've preached on the the part right after this where he takes his disciples across the lake after. But we'll we'll start here in verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far side of the shore, the Sea of Galilee, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked only to test him, for he already had in his mind what he was going to do. If you're writing things down, if you like to take notes, this is the first thing I wrote down in my little booklet. God will test you. Like parents test their kids. How many parents in the room have asked your kids a question you already knew the answer to? I do it all the time. See some hands in the bag. I do it all the time. You ask them questions you know the answer to to see if they're going to tell you the truth. You ask them questions you know the answer to to make sure they're not going to say something foolish in front of somebody else. And you think, "Hmm, what does he mean by that? Well, just say you're in church and the question comes up for where do babies come from? Your kid can answer that in any number of ways if you haven't already asked them that question. So I promise you guys it's not something that I, that I want to deal with with your kids, I'll deal with with mine. But when we talk about testing, God tests us in the same ways. He asks us questions. He asks you to do things you know already in your heart that you should do, and sometimes it's tough to do. I deal with the youth. I ask them constantly, week to week, who wants to pray this week? How many hands do you think go up? Not very many. How many you think should go up? All of them are feeling it. All of them are like, that should be me, but uh, maybe next week. You know, it's one of those things we deal with constantly. And parents test their kids. It works both ways. We constantly test God just like our parents test us. How, far, how much can I get away with? I wrote a couple things down that I thought was funny. My mom used to say this. Don't make me call your dad. That was, dad was the enforcer in our house, as most houses. Don't make me count to ten. Some of you guys may have got that. We got one. Don't make me count to one. That's all I got. And don't make me turn this car around. <laughs> that was Like, Mom, how can I make you turn the car around? Or I'm not going to tell you again to clean your room. I'd look, sometimes be like, thank goodness you're going to tell me again, because it's been messy for a while. But all this testing, God had asked Philip, er, God asked Philip uh, coming up, but he, he knows already what he's going to do. Just like in your life, he already knows where you're at. He knows what you've been through. He's been there with you, and he knows what's coming up. The only reason he's asking you is for you. The same reason he asked the disciples, where are we going to get bread for all these people? Jesus has already been preaching. He's already been uh, traveling. And he's got a crowd. Thousands of people are following him. They want to see Jesus. They want to meet Jesus. They want part of this healing that's been going on. So we'll pick up in verse 7. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have just a bite. Another of his disciples, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with smive barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Then Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. And Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. As much as they wanted. They had enough. The word enough, and this is kind of where I got hung up on, because what I'd been listening to, what I'd been feeling, what I'd been thinking in all these weeks that I've been preparing for this is I'd had enough. You know, I would had my fill. And so when I started thinking, I said, this doesn't really match up because we're talking about how much I've had emotionally, how much I've had physically. And then we're talking about in this specific uh, scripture, how much they'd had to eat. They had as much as they wanted. They had had enough to eat. And so we write the first point. I'm going to kind of skip around. If you've got your bulletin, you're following along. um, There's several questions here. The first one is supposed to be, what is your need? I'm going to skip down to what exactly is enough. I'm going to cover that first. The first thing is enough is circumstantial. It's circumstantial because of the amount of people that were there that day. Did they have enough to eat according to how many showed up and sat on the lawn? There was 5,000 men. There was probably close to 10,000 in all if you added in women and children. This, this is one of the few stories that's recorded throughout all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all have this story in it. And I know you've heard on this preached many times. I, I think, I, like I said, may, I may have covered part of it before. But when you're looking at what is enough, it's oftentimes what is enough for that person for that day. What are your circumstances? Some days you may wake up, and, well, for me, I wake up and one bowl of cereal is enough. Some days, one bowl of cereal. I mean, my bowl of cereal is about this big. You guys, it's about half a box of cereal, sometimes enough. But sometimes it's not. When you think about what is enough for potlucks, we always try to have them. I don't know how many we have a year in this church. Twelve? Once a month, maybe? I don't know, It seems like we have a lot. And they're all great. I love coming. So y'all keep doing those. But we talk about what is enough. We always have enough food. We don't know how many people is going to show up that day. If we prepared enough for today and it was actually Thanksgiving night, would we have enough food? You say, well, God would make that happen. Well, that'd be kind of tough. You triple the congregation size and see how that works. Enough is all circumstantial. What we feel like is enough for today, how much you make at your job. That seems like enough sometimes. For some of you, you're like, no, it's never enough, and we'll get into that too. But, For what you make at your job before you had kids was probably enough. After you have kids, that probably changed. Your circumstances probably look a little different, especially after two. I can tell you it's different. And so the people were there. They were eating. And uh, we'll go to verse 12. It says, when they had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. They gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves, or the, those over who had eaten. So they all had their fill. They'd all had enough for that day. And so much so that the people after they'd eaten, it says in verse 14, after they saw the sign Jesus performed, they begin to say, surely this is the prophet who's coming to the world. So now they're like, oh, this is different. Like this is a different kind of bread. We're feeling pretty good. This, this shouldn't have happened. Even the disciples that were with Jesus, the 12, they look out and they're, you know, they're trying to find a way to make this work, and it doesn't make sense in their heads. And Jesus says, just have them sit down. I'll take care of it. He knew what he was going to do already. And that's enough for them. So enough, point number one, enough is circumstantial. It changes all the time. Um, following on in verse 16 through 22, I'm going to kind of just recap these. I'm not, not going to read it verse by verse. But evening came. Jesus told his disciples, all right, we fed all these people. You guys go ahead of me. And I know I've preached on this before when they get stuck out in the water. But Jesus says, you, you guys go ahead of me. I'm going to uh, stay here and take care of the crowd. We've still got a crowd of people here that are hungry. We've still got a crowd of people here that, are, that haven't, you know, went home yet. let just, you sneak off and I'll take care of them. And then he went up on the mountain to pray. Well, in John, it doesn't actually say this. If you go back and read it, in, I think it's Matthew, you, you can find out that Jesus told them to leave. And then he went up on the mountainside to pray. They get stuck out in the water. Jesus had just fed 5,000 people with two uh, fish and five loaves of bread. And they're going across the sea. that's about eight miles wide. They get about halfway out, about four miles out. And the water gets rough. And they start to panic. And they start to pray. And they start to try to figure out what is going on. And they, they're, figure, they're forgetting that Jesus just has done all these miracles. He healed all these people. He's got this following. And it's so crazy that they, you know, it slips their mind that he can help them. And, and actually, in one of the gospels, it says Jesus is watching them. He's looking down off the mountain, seeing them in the water, realizing what's going on, and he takes off walking. So Jesus walks out there to them, and uh, this is this is the part that actually that I take away from this short story the most. In verse twenty, he said to them, "It is I. Don't be afraid." They thought he was a ghost walking on the water, and then they were willing to take him into the boat. And immediately, the boats reached the shore where they were heading. Now, this is just free. This is all for now. It doesn't really have anything to do with this. But as I read that more and more, they were halfway across the water. They're freaking out because they're in the middle of the lake. It's eight miles wide. They're halfway three to four miles is what it says in several of the Gospels. And when they let him in the boat, they're automatically at shore. That's a miracle in itself. So he's still performing miracles for them daily. And you have to wonder what these disciples are thinking. And then, and then it relates back to us. All the miracles and the things that Jesus gives us daily how do we forget that he's there for us when he's always been there for us? How do we forget he's doing all these amazing things in our life when he does it every day? Moving on. This is, this is the, the part that, that's really going to determine how you see yourself in this story. Um, the next day, this is verse 22. The crowd that stayed on the opposite shore realized that only one boat had been there, and Jesus had not entered with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. Some of the boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus or his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. So they'd had their fill. They'd had their miracle. They'd had their bread. All these things were happening for them. And then they look up and they go, where's Jesus? He was here. It's still the same day. It's still the same night at this point. Well, it, until that point. They were there with him all night, and they'd look up, wake up the next day. And you, have you ever stayed somewhere with someone and woken up not knowing where they went? I had some friends in, in uh, Harrisburg where I grew up when we used to stay the night uh, with friends and play basketball all night or play video games all night. Wake up the next morning, they were gone, and their parents. I, you know, I'd ask them like, "Where did they go?" Well, they ran down to the store, or they're doing this or that, and it's like, "Well, they're supposed to be here." Like I'm at your house; they're not supposed to be gone. And there's different circumstances, different options where you can go through that story for yourself. But when you're looking for somebody, it'd be like going to a concert to see someone and they're not there. You know, like this is we came to see this person and they're not here anymore. What's going on? And so that's what they're dealing with. And it was. It was to this point so much that they started to ask themselves. So they said, you know what, we're going to go find Jesus. And they depicts of verse 25. It said, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? (laughs) that cracks me up. I can't get it. I read that a hundred times this week. It's like they're looking for Jesus, and he's left, and they go over to find him on the other side of the shore, travel all this way, and they finally get to him like, hey, when did you get here? Where have you been? You know, like, we've been here this whole time. But no, they haven't. They've been looking for Jesus. And so this is where Jesus looks at them, and this is the important part. I highlight this in my Bible. It says, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So then they asked him, what shall we do to the, uh, what shall we do? What must we do to do the work God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this: to believe in the one He has sent. So, second part of this. First, enough is circumstantial. Second, enough is temporary. They had already got their fill of food for that day, and they decided, we need more of this. And Jesus knew it. He called them out on it. Thank goodness he did. And how many times does he call us out on the same thing? But he said, you followed me over here, not because you are interested in what I am doing and what I have done and the things that I have to do, Not because of what the Father has sent me to do, because you're hungry. Because I fed you and you're hungry again. That's why you walked all this way. He said, believe that. Believe in me and the one he has sent. So then they asked him again. (laughs) So then they asked him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? This is the next day. He just fed 5,000 people with just a little bit of food. And he says, all right, all you have to do is believe. That's what I'm here for. That's what I'm trying to get you to understand. And like, all right, well, what are you going to do that we should believe you the very next day? So enough is truly temporary. I think of this like um, a good example. This would be when my kids were younger, Kobe and I would go to Walmart and we'd be shopping through the store and a lot of times he'd want to get a toy off the shelf. Now I'm, I'm talking small. He'd be in the shopping cart still. But we'd always go back there. And it was, I got to where I was smart. I would get him like a matchbox car because they were 99 cents back then. So we'd get him a cheap toy. But as long as we got him something, he was happy. Well, then it grew into where every time he went to, somebody was going to the store, he was going. I'm going to go. If they're going to go, I'm going to go because I know I'm going to get something. And so you figure out really quickly that like kids in a candy store, if you give something To someone and they're only looking for what they're getting in return they're never giving it ends up being that that's the point of the whole story for them what can i get out of this so point number two enough is temporary um they go on our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness he gave them bread from heaven to eat jesus tells them again it's not moses that gave you the bread it's my father who gives you the bread for the bread of God is the bread of, uh, that comes down from heaven and gives life to this world. And they start demanding. They say, sir, give us this bread always. Can, you, can we get this all the time? Like, it's almost a demanding tone that they're giving Jesus. I need this. You, you give it to me already. I don't want to have to go look for it. Make it easy for me. And this is the part to where um, we bring this to more of a personal level. The story is, is about the people that were there with Jesus. But as every story that we go through in the Bible, it's also about us. Daryl says this constantly. How do we bring this and make it about us? And this is where this kind of got fun. Because for me, when I think about enough individualized, that's the third point, enough is individualized. So it's circumstantial, it's temporary, and enough for you may not be enough for me. If me and one of these tiny teenagers over here decided we were going to go on the same schedule calorie count for the week I couldn't survive on what they eat that wouldn't be enough for me and so it is individualized for who that person is and what they do enough time in the word for me for the week may not be enough time for Daryl he's been doing it for 26 years up here I, I still don't know how he does it and so we look at what individually what is good enough for me you look at food Shelter. This is, these are all the things that if we say enough, it almost comes to what is our need. And so that's one of the points that, that I have on the bulletin. We'll switch from what is enough to what is our need. Need and enough is almost like need and desire. They're, they're two different things. They vary, but they contrast each other. And so we'll cover need first as we bring this story to a personal level. What is your need? I went this week, and I said, this came, this came fun to me because I asked several of the people in the church, what do you need? What do you need more of? I asked my daughter. She's not here, so I can talk about her. And she, she's at Hot Springs and Dance Competition. But I asked her this week, I said, if you, if you could just tell me a couple things that you need. If I just asked you, what do you need? And the two words out of her mouth, they were gold. They said, she said, dog food and shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh still thinking about it. Dog food and shoes. I almost titled the sermon Dog Food and Shoes. Because that's, that's what she was thinking about at the time. That was her need at the time. Quote, unquote, need. And so th- it got me to me, uh, to thinking this week, you know, as I'm thinking about what is enough for me and what is enough for God? How much are we contrasting this for each other? Am I giving enough? Am I getting enough? And the same for each other. She, she told me her need was dog food and shoes. For me, my need was time. I've been a, an overwhelmed person this last year. I took on more things than I should have, I'll admittedly say up here. Every time somebody came to me to, to do something, to join a part of a club or be a part of this or that, I take on way more than I can truly handle. And I'm understanding that. And so I feel like sometimes I need time. I asked Brother Tony, and I, he said his need, probably he would say money. I said money, I said not, not time. He said, well, if I had money, I could get time. And I said, well, I understand the truth to that. And then I asked Daryl. I said, well, what do you, if I could give you one thing that you need or one thing that we need more of, what do you think that is? And my, a lot of you could probably guess. He said love. He loves more than almost anyone I know. Not just God, people. And I think that coincides with each other. A need is required to live. That's what the definition of need actually is. You need it to live. When you talk about desire, it's something that's not essential, changes often, kind of like the circumstantial individualized. What do you need? This year, for the first time in probably 20 years, I bought my set of of golf clubs. Now, it was supposed to be for Kobe. He, He was supposed to get a new set of golf clubs. I had had a set. I was like, you know what? You can take mine. I'm going to buy me some new ones. I haven't had some in a long time, some new golf clubs. And that was a desire that I had. But a desire is not a need. It's something that you want. And so I, I was thinking about this today. I was Like, how do we even have antiques? Antiques is a thing. People collect antiques. They, don't, they, that's, they become antiques because they're, they're not desired at the time. Like, they wouldn't be around. It, there's so many things that are antiques that people collect. I was talking to a girl yesterday when I was getting my haircut. She was looking for antique barber chairs and, and antique uh, haircutting tools and all these things. And I was like, that's so odd. She said, yeah, but they're super hard to find. They're all, all the good ones were used up. You know, people use them in that way. And so uh, that, when you talk about needs and desires, it just becomes different. Matt's got a verse he's going to put up on the screen for us Psalm 37, 4 and 5. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. The desires of your heart. When you talk about what a need is, what a desire is, the desires that come from within, especially the ones that are from the Lord, he'll take care of the rest of it. If you tell God, this is what I'm desiring, this is what I need, how can I put you first? He'll take care of the rest of it. It's easy. Matthew six 33. He's got that one for us too. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. I I heard a guy preach a sermon on all these things. That was the title of his sermon. All these things. All the things that we talk about. Money, food, clothing. All the things that we worry about. I want to ask you what you worry about. Because what you'll find what you worry about is often where your desires lie. What you think about most of the time what you put on that pedestal, what consumes you, is often where your heart is. Seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. To seek is actually, to me, it's a verb. It shows action. If I was to tell the kids on the basketball team, let's, let's practice hard, seek out a good year, that's, there's work involved in that. I've said this before up here. If I told them, let's just Let's just sit and pray all year long. Let's not practice. Let's just pray and hope we can beat the other teams. How many other teams do you think they would beat in the conference? Nope. Not even close. You, so you, you start thinking about what it means to seek. Prayer. Be in your Bible. Ask someone. I wrote that down. I love that. When you're seeking, you can ask anyone. Anyone? If you're seeking God, you can ask someone else. How do I do this? What have you been through? How can you help me? If you was lost and headed somewhere and you needed directions, absolutely you would stop and ask someone. You should stop and ask someone. A lot of you guys probably wouldn't. I would. I hate being lost. That's one of the things I hate the most in this world. Samantha used to laugh at me. We'd go on any trip, and if I got lost, I would almost pull the car over. Like, no, oh, we're going to. Matter of fact, we've got time for this. You guys are going to make time for this. On our honeymoon, we're headed up to Branson, Missouri, and we have a person that's booked a hotel for us. This is going to be a long story made really short, and we didn't, she didn't know the name of the hotel. She didn't know where we was going. When I tell you guys we almost turned around and went home our very first weekend being married, I'm not even kidding. I could not get over myself not knowing where I was going. Now, I've gotten better. God has changed me. I've got to where I can make a turn off and turn around and do those sorts of things. I couldn't use to do that. He's developed my patience. But when it came to that time and that circumstance, it ate me up. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So we've talked about what is our need. We've talked about what is our desire. The last, I'm going to go back to this because that's the title of the message, the last two. What is enough? I'm going to ask you guys. I ask the this constantly. What's enough time and prayer for you? Is there a number? Have you thought about it? The Bible says pray without ceasing. It means always be in that state of conscious thought where God is first. That's part of seeking. What is enough time in His Word? Do you have an amount of days, time, hours that you read the Bible every day? Are you seeking God in that way? What's enough time at church? Is an Hour and a half, two hours a week, good enough. Some of these people that Lindsay was talking about, that's in Asbury, they probably have spent more than 24 hours straight there. Some of them don't want to leave. And I know that's a, uh, no, you're not a consistent thing, but it's a thing where they say, I need more of this. They could see that need in their life. I need to be here more. What is enough giving? We're told how much to tithe. How much do we give? And it's not just financial. You know, we think about money in that way. When I say, how much do you give? Everybody automatically thinks money. Right? But what about time? We have a pastor that, who is here, I don't know how many weeks in a row, he could go back and talk about that he's preached. But then when he's off, he goes to Mexico to preach and to lead sermons. It's not enough for him just to be here. And that's amazing. Is it enough for you just to be here on Sunday mornings? Is it enough for you just to be here two days a week? Is it enough for you to talk to God twice a week? We'll flip it. What is enough time? And I'm looking at you guys because we talk about this every week. What is enough time on your phone? I can look at some of them and I can look at mine sometimes, and you got five to seven hours a day on a cell phone. How much have you accomplished for God? That's what we're talking about. That's what we're up here talking about. That's what I'm talking about. How much have you accomplished for God in that? Five to seven hours, a third of your day. That doesn't stop with cell phones, ball games, movies. Anything you like to do that's worldly, I understand we have to have time to ourselves. Time to do things we need to do, just kick our feet up and relax. We all want that. But has God called us to that, Has God called us to actually, this is tough. I look at you like, oh, you better stop. You better move on. You know, it's tough. But it's all circumstantial. It's all individualized. It's different for everyone. And the thing is, the more you grow with God, the deeper you go, the more he'll require from you. And the more you'll want to give. If you look at it and say, well, I'm just not there yet. You're probably not. If you can be honest enough with yourself to say that, you're probably not. But if you go deep enough, God will get you there. God will see you through it. And he'll change you from the inside out. I wrote two things down here. I like both of these. It says, don't ask God to move a mountain, but refuse to grab a shovel. Don't ask God to guide your steps, but then refuse to move your feet. That's me a lot of the time. I'm not going to pretend I'm up here preaching to you guys when I'm preaching to myself. God, I need this to be done. All right, let's do this. Well, not that way. You know, how there's there's a series on uh Netflix and I won't talk about this because I just talked about spending your time wasting your time watching shows, but there's a series on Netflix that I've I've kind of talked about uh, or kind of watched a little bit and there's a it's called New Amsterdam and it's a doctor who goes to a new hospital to lead these people to change their atmosphere and how they work. And the, the only thing I'll say about it, and the one thing I love is he walks in every room and every facility from the janitors all the way up to the higher ups. And he says, how can I help? That's his first words. And to change the hospital, to make it to where it's a positive thing, how can I help? And I think those four words are so powerful. If we ask them to each other, if we ask them at our job, if we ask them to God, how can I help? I'm not going to ask God to move a mountain and refuse, to move, and refuse to grab a shovel. How can I help? I'm up here today because I'm asking God, how can I help? You're here today because you're asking him the same question. Almost all of you. You're searching for something. Lindsay talked before service about the Kentucky revival in Asbury. And like her, a lot of the week I couldn't get it off my mind. I was wondering what was going on said at some point they counted up until a couple of days ago, they would counted over 50,000 people that had moved through that town of 6,000. And it's like, that is amazing. 50,000 people. And I had friends here that went. People that I knew of from this town that went, searching for God. And I don't know why I'm like this, but I'm going to tell you my first thought is the Dallas Cowboys throughout the football season averaged 94,000 a game at home average. Now, what does that say to you? I can tell you what it says to me. It was negative at first. I'll be honest. I was like, man, that's crazy. That just doesn't make sense. But it tells me God's not done. It tells me God's getting ready to make something bigger happen. The reason this stuck out so much to everyone that 50,000 people went to this little town is because we haven't seen it in so long. We haven't got people fired up like this to be in church. This became an event because it was never an event because it doesn't happen as often as it used to. Whereas a football game happens every week. And to me, God's going to use this to catapult something way bigger. This 50,000 is going to turn into something different. I've told the youth for several, several, probably years now, I think the next great revival starts with the young people. It starts with them realizing how short life is at a younger age and realizing that God can do so much greater with them if they'll actually turn their life over to Him. I really believe that. And... You know, that nothing against the the older generation, but the younger generation inspires so much quicker. They've got access to Twitter and Facebook. And if you make it a fad, it's something everybody wants to respond to. It's going to be something that everybody just jumps on so quickly. I had a couple friends that said of, of the Asbury revival, I wish I could go. And like Lindsay, I really believe the Spirit is right here in this room every week. I feel it every week. God pulling me, God changing me, God guiding me, and you can too. I hope you do. I hope you realize that he's here. We all have enough because Jesus is enough. What are your desires of your heart? What are your needs? When you think about your desire and you think about what is enough for you, if you focus on Jesus, everything else becomes enough. Someone once said, "You don't know how much of Jesus you need till Jesus is all you had, till Jesus is all you have. That's when you know how much Jesus you need." And so the last enough I have wrote down, it's not on the board. What is your what is your prayer? That, that kind of I just covered. The last enough is, is almost kind of a calling enough excuses are you willing to change your life for god just because you're ready are you done making excuses with what he's called you to do how many times have i failed to appreciate and serve god for what he's done because i'm always wondering what he's going to do next you guys come on up i i thought about this That last piece that I wrote in my book. The most. How much am I I like the people that follow Jesus all the way across the mountain? All the way across the lake? Because I want something else from him. How many times have I missed out on what God is doing because I'm wondering what he's fixing to do? I'm always wondering what's next. I hope that your prayer, that your, your call from God this morning is something that will make you ask yourself that question in a deeper way you've never seen it before. Don't let me miss out. Don't let me go to God and say, God, I really, I'm glad you gave me that bread, but I need more bread. What are you going to do next so that I can believe in you? Can I always have this? Are you going to keep giving it to me every day or am I going to have to search for it? Am I going to have to seek it? Because God has called us to do all those things but in, in the loving way, in a way that we say, all right, God, thank you for what you've done for me. God, thank you for the blessings that you've given me. Help me not to always look forward for what's next, but to be blessed with what we have and realize what's, that you're in the room right now with us. We don't have to make it about anybody else right now but about Jesus. So as we pray, uh, if you guys would stand as we pray and as we seek. I, like I said, I could have not even got up here. I know I went a little bit over. This is, that's very unusual for me. Um, if you've heard me preach, you know that, but I want to really just take a few more minutes. I could have not preached at all and we could have already had church, but God is still here. There's somebody God is still calling saying, I need you to need me. And I need you to understand how much I've already done and not look forward to what's next. Look forward to what's right now. We've got a great event coming up next week with the youth. We've got so many things in this church that are happening, and I'm so glad for all of our leaders, like Lindsay said, that are here to help. I just hope that we continue to pray and to serve and to lead, especially these young people, because that is the future of our church. Let's pray. dearly Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come into this time of, of worship after service, Lord, in this time of prayer, I pray that you will just uh, lead in God our hearts to be focused on you for what, is, for what is here. Lord, thank you so much for the revivals that you've put into place. Lord, I pray that you'll just raise up that revival in each one of us, that we'll just individualize that. And we will know that in our circumstances that, Lord, enough of you is always enough. And I pray that we'll continue to uh, seek others and love others as we go.
3: you Jesus